Welcome to the Woot and Why NFL podcast, proudly brought to you by William Hill, where you'll find faster, easier betting on the NFL. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Woot and Why Show. I am Josh Why, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Josh Woot. How are you going this fine Saturday evening? Uh, had a very good day. What about your day? How was yours? Why? Tell me all about it. Yeah, not good. Uh, started work early this morning. Uh, you know, walked to the station like I normally do. Uh, thought, oh, just hop on the train and you know start my day off nice. Oh, there's track work. Left home at five thirty. Okay, a good day. Left home at five thirty. Got into work at quarter past eight. It's just wonderful. Uh, when you've spent most of your day traveling, you don't really want to work for another ten to twelve hours. Unfortunately, I had to do that. So that was not not ideal. Not ideal. But <laughs> after uh, having Friday off and having Thanksgiving off uh, here. And having a good day, our uh, our recommended parlay, our three-leg parlay got up. Uh, we took the unders in the Minnesota game, the overs in the Dallas game, and then Pittsburgh minus nine. So uh, everything came up Millhouse on Friday, just didn't go to plan today. But, uh, you know, it's good we're potting, you know, and uh, I think uh, we can roll with some success into the rest of uh, week 12. Hey, we're on fire. Uh, yeah, speaking of fire, you've, uh, you've got hot the last couple of weeks, so I was in front by a couple of games, but now you're actually in front in, uh, in our picks against the spread this season. You're 80, 71, and 10. I am 79, 72, and 10. So, uh, we got off to a slow start, and I found this interesting from Football Outsiders this morning. Scott Kasmar wrote this. He said that the Washington-Dallas game was the 98th game this season decided by one score margin or a tie. So the 2015 regular season had the highest rate of games, 54.7% decided by eight points or fewer since 1994. And 2016's is going to challenge that record right now at 59.8%. So that's that's pretty crazy when you think about all the games and how close the league is. And it actually kind of makes sense because apart from those top four teams, most of the league is very close together. Yeah, most most of the league besides those couple top couple of teams are pretty average. Yeah, which makes pretty, it pretty average. Which makes it hard to bet some weeks because you get your Tampa Bay's up beating Kansas City on the road and you get like your weird games. So for us to to improve and actually end up with a winning record right now, kudos to uh to both of us. Yeah, but I'm I'm feeling hot. I'm feeling good. Feeling, I'm feeling good. You're feeling you, hot. Yeah, you, you had a you had a bad day when hear how good my day was. Yeah, right. To rub it in. Yep. All right, so I, I sleep in. Great. I sleep in. And then that's all good. Then I go and have lunch with a girlfriend, so that's good. Then I go to the gym, that's fine. Then I undo the gym with Guzman's, which I know that you love. I love is... Guzman's. Yeah, I've had it four times this week, so oh. I'm on. I'm on fire, literally out of every hole. Only, but anyway, only four. <laughs> only four <laughs> this weekend. Yep. Um. Yeah. So then I went from that, and then had. Wait, then where did I go? Sorry, then I went to Max Brenner tonight. So, mate, it was today has been 
Right. And then instead of the girlfriend getting annoyed that, you know, a night together, we're ruining it by podcasting. She's like, oh, no, that's fine. I'm going to watch Gilmore Girls. So Gilmore Girls has saved me and saved us. Kind of. Kind of. Even though Gilmore Girls was the reason we didn't pod last night. Exactly. But now it's kind of. We've come full circles. That we can do it. It's, It's. Thank you, GG. We're the Gilmore boys right now. Just uh, flying right. high on the success yeah. of Rory, Lorelai. Uh, before you call, that we, me and Em just literally just finished uh, Gilmore Girls. The uh, yeah, still firmly team. Guys, still firmly team. Gilmore based. Girls is good, but it's not. Uh, this hype is yeah ridiculous. The Netflix. Oh, also, the Net- the and then Netflix. the Weekends album came out today. I was going to say that it was, I listened to that in the car everywhere I went. It's been a good day. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling pumped about things. I'm, very, I'm in a very positive mood. All right. Well, then let's uh, let's you know roll on that positivity and just get straight into some NFL news. Just wanted to say that the Gilmore Girls on Netflix, the uh, the, the new four episode things, it's it's all right, but it's not as good as the original series. You know. Not quite like Sex no. and the City drop off from the movies to the TV show, but you know it's not you know. Eh, the hype, Nothing ever is. The hype is was really? yeah no that's right you know that's why I'm really worried about them making a new Toy Story because the third one's so good you're gonna mess with the formula you, you can really ruin franchises. Do you worry about it'll that be, with all, do you worry about that with all not with Star- animation not with animation. Do you worry about that with Star Wars? The, the more they keep making it, it will make it less special. Um. Mm, interesting. This is interesting. Not I think they years, killed. Go- I think they. I think they. I think they killed Ghostbusters. Yeah. They shouldn't have. Shouldn't have touched that. Yeah. There's so many. We we should do a, a like a movie podcast in the off season. Plus, they should have. They definitely should have just stopped at say a handful of superhero movies. They've got. I mean, Deadpool. You you know you did some good things there, but that was really thinking outside the box. There's not. Yeah. Too much more you can do. Yeah, I got a feeling Deadpool two, Deadpool two will not be good. But anyway, all right. Thanksgiving results: Minnesota Vikings thirteen, Detroit Lions sixteen. Another one where you've got right. So your lead is actually extended more than one so far. Now you're actually you're actually two out in front of me uh, at this point. But uh, we talked about how game how close games are, but no one sort of epitomized that than the Detroit Lions this year. They're the first team in NFL history to have each of its first eleven games decided by seven points or fewer, and in this case, it wasn't Matthew Stafford that led them to victory. It was Darius, big play, Slay. That's the second game he's won for them. He, he uh, won the game for you, for, for you against you when, when he played the Eagles, but the, that game was pretty much signified by dinking and dunking from both teams. Matthew Stafford, apart from his first drive, was not, was not good. <sighs> Mate, both teams epitomize the season, really. Yeah, there's... You know, so much positivity and upside one week, and then the next week it's just all undone, and you think, what did we see in them the week before, really? The the only reason, I I just didn't have any faith in what Minnesota has going at the moment. So it was kind of, I don't have faith in Detroit. It was more, I don't have faith in Minnesota, the reason I selected the Lions. Plus, I also mentioned that they were playing at home, the Lions, so that kind of, yeah. I just kept screaming at my TV, throw it past the first down marker, because it was just irritating the hell out of me to watch just these two-yard passes, two-yard pass, three-yard pass, line pass behind the line of scrimmage, screed. Uh, oh, that was just terrible. Let's just, can we just move on to the next game? Washington- I'm a football purist, so I enjoy every kind of football, uh, except 
So. You know, possibly who, who's who's the no. I even like the Chiefs. I don't know. I like everything. Well, all right. I don't mind like good defense, but like this was just like take a shot, and then finally Bradford did take a shot, and that was the interception. But I don't know. When the teams are expecting it, that's when you you throw those picks. And and good on Darius Slay. That's two games he's won for the Lions. And look, you meant we mentioned that this pretty much puts them in the box seat for the division. So it's going to be really tough for for teams to to chase the Lions. This very flawed Lions team uh, is the number three seed in the NFL, in the NFC right now. So be interesting. The number one seed in the NFC right now is the Dallas Cowboys, and they had a record-breaking 10th straight win, 31-26 over the Washington Redskins. It was a tale of two cities for the Redskins. The offense was very productive. Just the defense couldn't make a stop. And, and watching this game, I thought both quarterbacks here have got to be in the most in some of the most quarterback-friendly situations in the entire NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. These, both these quarterbacks are just gifted. Obviously, the defense for both teams are not are not ideal, but just the, in terms of all the weapons that Kirk Cousin has at his helm, and Jordan Reed was playing with a, a AC joint injury and still was just tearing it up, and then this offensive line. Oh unbelievable for Dallas and Dak Prescott and your full credit to him he's taken advantage of that time and has been really clutch in the fourth quarter but both these quarterbacks hashtag blessed right I I beg I would beg for those the offensive line for sure but I mean the wide receiver running backs like from the combination from either team I'd love I'd love they Cowboys have, you know, the safety net, ever-reliable Jason Witten, who feels like he's 50 years old, but still, you know, just making crucial plays. And then you've got, you know, obviously, Des Bryant and Zeke. But then on the other side, you've got, I don't know, it feels like they have 50 wide receivers that are all being paid 10 mil a season in Washington. It just feels, they're all, it's ridiculous. But yeah, I'd, I'd beg for any of them, because they can catch and Philadelphia's can't. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Uh, and the the uh, Des Bryant v. Josh Norman, that was just uh, insanely hot uh, between the two of them, the uh, the the daggers that they're firing at each other, and uh, yeah, they were lighting each other up after the game. It, I love it. I, I find it so irritating. I like both those players so for different reasons, so um, I just want more of that fire and more of that heat week to week from heaps, heaps more players. I, I think it's so entertaining because... Some games like that Minnesota-Detroit one, you know, a little bit boring. So you get a little bit of spice, a little bit of flair from both players after the game, mm-hmm. and I embrace it. more chaos, the better. Do you know what else we'll write about? Deshaun Jackson having his typical NFC East game where he just goes off. We'll write about that. We, we nailed it. We absolutely nailed it. But uh, obviously, obviously Dallas now, they're in the box seat for home field advantage in the NFC, and for the Redskins, they're still in a good chance, and I still think they're a good team. Uh, they're the only, they're the fourth team since 1940 to lose despite 500 yards of offense and no giveaways, so it's a very rare loss for them, and they've, they've been competitive against Dallas twice. I, I think they're a good team. I, I st- think they can make the playoffs, but it's going to be tough in that division with the Giants, and even your Eagles, um, if they can get a win as well, you know, hot on the tail, so we'll uh, we'll move on to the last game. The Steelers 28 over the Colts 7 uh, Scott Tolzien was actually pretty good. He didn't play that bad, and he was far from some of the Colts' biggest concerns. Obviously, they lost two offensive linemen early in the game, and Vontae Davis as well, and then T.Y. Hilton in the game. But should the Steelers be worried that the Colts are actually quite competitive dis- despite all of that? And, you know, the scoreline was 
pretty flat flattering because the Colts blew two fourth and ones from the one. Um, so it could have been a much closer game than the scoreline suggests. Yeah, I think I think people are too focused on the Steelers' record and not how they're actually performing. I think people expected the Steelers to have a good year, and a lot of people were very, very hot on them early. And, I mean, I know we both were. Yep. But I think... I think people are still looking at their record and you know, seeing it and they're like, oh, they're winning, but they're not realizing that these games, that some games they've won this season have been so lucky. And, like, I mean, they were expected to beat the Colts, and they did, but at the same time, it was far from convincing. Like, it, was just, it wasn't a great performance. And, I mean, I know Antonio Brown still had a big game and things like that, but, yep. you know... It's not, it's not the Steelers you're used to seeing. Do you think that they weren't, you know, they weren't, like... Uh, putting the foot down 100% on the accelerator, they were just taking it easy after they got sort of 14-0 or, or 10 points up. Do you think they just, like they did against the Browns last week, they just kept the cards close to the chest and not reveal too much and, and save that for some tougher games down the stretch? Because I feel like this week will be, next week will be a, a interesting battle because they play Eli Manning and Odell Beckham. So this will get, both these teams, I think, at a crossroads, will be interesting to see I think we'll learn a lot from the Steelers and Giants playing each other next week about both those teams. I think they always play a little weird against teams that they're not. That I mean, they're, yeah, they're not expected to have any trouble against. I think, like early on when you, I don't know, I can't. Who who did they play? Who did they lose to early on in the season that I I tipped Miami. That's it. Yeah, I tip I tipped Miami. That was the typical game where. You know, they're expected to go in. And, I mean, there was just far too much against the Colts for the Colts to win. There was just far too much going against them for to win, for them to win. So we still expected the Pittsburgh Steelers to play, like, an, well enough. But if they versed, say, uh, a Miami team or something that they were expected to win against, I would have seen them losing again this week. It's just how they're built. It's so bizarre. Mm. It's so bizarre. They just they never step up in these games. It's just... I don't know. They're a difficult team to predict as well. Yeah, they they they're a team that play down to their opponent, or like if they're playing a good team, they rise to the occasion, and then if they're playing a bad team, they seem to stoop to the the bad team's level. I think they're like they're a team like that, and also depends as well. Obviously, we've talked about Big Ben on the road as opposed to home. So, um, look, I was I was actually um, I feel bad. I was been sledging Scott Tolsey in all week, and he actually stepped up in a big spot and took some hits hard, like stood up and actually delivered some, some deep passes. Like he was, I, I found him more entertaining than anything I've seen out of like Brock Osweiler or Sam Bradford at times this year and, and players that are, are afraid to throw the ball deep. So I, I've got to give Scott Tolsey in credit, but it exposed a lot about what our roster is. And, and most people that listen to this show know that the Colts are, are a deeply flawed roster. I've mentioned it on the show and, and most people know just by watching them how bad, their roster is so. Hopefully, um, Jim Irsay was watching and saw saw those flaws and what what uh, what can be done, and that could be uh, hopefully with some firings at the end of the year. One other thing I do want to touch on is the Steelers. You know how they're the team that always goes for two point conversions, or seem to be the team that does it the most. Uh huh. Um, obviously, they practice that at training and whatnot. I feel like it's helped their goal line defense. I think more teams have to take note of this and, and because they were big on those fourth and one chances. They made some players. I feel like that could be a way to go in the future with so many kicks missing and things like that, like we talked about last week. Yeah, well, like like, we, like I said during the last pot, it's got to become less of just a, a, you know going through the motions of getting an extra point. It has to The game has to be competitive from start to finish. There can't be any times during the game where 
you know, a, a point is a guinea or something's just certain. Yep. Like kickoff returns, are, kickoff returns nowadays. I know, like they've been recently for the last couple of years, they've just been, you know, turnover machines. The amount of fumbles, it just seems like it's an incredible increase on what's happened, you know, in say the last decade. Now, now, it's the special teams play such a big factor where it feels like the whole goal line thing is still the one part of the game that, you know, is kind of just still dragging behind. Mm. That's what I like the kicking thing. I'm one of the you know firm believers that what they're doing, what they're trying to do, is actually benefiting the game. I know you're not yep. thrilled with the power that kickers have, yep. but it's not so much that aspect. It's more the whole I don't know, just yeah. the competitiveness of the game. It's got to keep, it's got to keep going. Yeah, and you mentioned benefiting the game. Well, it's it's benefited the Steelers because their goal line defense is improved because they're practicing two point conversions and and fourth and. Ones from the ones, and and you know that's exactly what it's it's helping. So it is a, a one positive to it, and the Steelers are doing it. And I think a lot of teams are going to take note and see how we go. This week's NFL lines are brought to you by William Hill. Faster, easier betting. All right, let's get straight into Week Twelve. We've already we're down three games already. We're only one from three so far. Or you're two from three. I am one from three. But uh, let's start with Tennessee. Minus five and a half at a dollar eighty seven on the road. Chicago plus five and a half at a dollar ninety five. I uh, I'm not sure about this line. It seems ridiculously low because Chicago are starting the weak armed Matt Barkley under center. So it's basically Jordan Howard or bust for the Bears. I just can't see the Bears scoring points or, or working out how they can score points. Alshon Jeffrey suspended. Zach Miller's out. Kyle Long and Josh Shitton. Are out. Jarrell Freeman is also suspended, so all missing from their game. I just can't see how the Bears are going to score points. No, either, either can I. I, uh, I, yeah, it's you struggle to. Th- it's it's one of those games where you you think that John Fox might not have something up his sleeve, but will just keep the game close. It's frustrating. It's just one of those games where you think you know you'll bet all your life savings. You know, or any money you have saved up, you're just going to bet on Tennessee because you think it's a gimme. But I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm going Tennessee because I don't want to feel like an imbecile when Tennessee win by twenty. Yeah. But <laughs> I, you still got that gut feeling that John Fox is going to be a John Fox. They're going to have a John Fox day it's a and just trap you know, ruin everything and win by, and, and lose by just a field goal or something. Yeah, and you're right. Chicago's defense has been pretty good at home. They've averaged just thirteen point seven points in three games at Soldier Field, and no team since week three has topped a hundred. 100 yards rushing. So it's uh, it's it's actually, yeah, I can see it being a trap game. And, and John Fox is on the hot seat, whether people want to talk about it or not. He There's rumors around that he potentially will be out of a job at, at year's end. So we'll wait and see. Mass changes with Jeffrey Lucky gone, Jay Cutler gone, and John Fox gone. So this might be, for him, one of the old uh, sort of FU games from John Fox here, and he might actually coach something out. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm taking Tennessee Minus five and a half. Uh, let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road. Plus seven and a half at a dollar ninety one. They're playing in Buffalo. Buffalo minus seven and a half at a dollar ninety one. This is a game for the Bills that they have to win to to stay alive in the wild card race. Uh, with Miami doing so well and all the teams obviously in the uh, West AFC West. So, but it's a trap game as well. It feels like. When the Bills and, and Rex Ryan have to have to win, or they're expected to win, the opposite happens. Yeah, I think this game is definitely one to the purists. It's it's not a game that I'm going to be rushing out to watch. Yeah. 
it uh, and also it's just it's a game with so many question marks. You don't know about Sammy Watkins. You don't know if the Jags are still going. They're going to remain competitive, but you know they're already out of really everything. Yep. So it's are they already you know tanking? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The, and the line is just more than a touchdown. It's tough. Know, the the Jags play pretty good against the pass, but LaShawn McCoy and Tyra Taylor will give them fits on the ground. They're they're twenty third in defensive DVOA against the run, and Buffalo are the number one run offense by DVOA. So I'm looking at it that way. Buffalo love to run the ball. Jacksonville cannot stop the run. Uh, you mentioned it's one for the purists. I actually I like watching the Bills. I think they're fun. Like Tyra Taylor is fun to watch because he's darting around the field. Uh, I guess for Jacksonville, if they're going to have any chance, they've got to ride Chris Ivory. Um, likewise with LaShawn and Tyrod running right. Ivory has had a couple of games now where he's had 100-plus yards, and, and the Jags can sort of attack the, rec- the Buffalo defense through the middle. So we'll wait and see how, how that weighs out. But I'm I'm definitely leaning towards Buffalo, especially at home. They've scored at least 25 points at home so in their last four games. So I'm taking the Bills. Uh, uh, I'm going Jags. Wow, here we go. Roll Give me the Jags. Yep. Okay, moving on to Cincinnati plus four in a divisional game. They're taking on the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. No AJ Green, no Giovanni Bernard. The Cincinnati offense is going to revolve around Jeremy Hill, but the problem is Baltimore is the number one run defense in the NFL. And the Bengals O-line is a lot worse than the Cowboys who they faced last last week. They couldn't be more apart right now. Mhm. Uh, it's 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 starting to look really bleak for Cincinnati. I can't, I can't. This similar situation to the Jags. I mean, Jags still have you know a full complement of players essentially, but Cincinnati. I mean, it's it's kind of the same situation. It's getting to the point in the season where the the teams that have no shot anymore, you don't know how competitive they're going to remain, mm. especially with a team that you know will have such low morale going forward with all their stars out and, you know, no hope of playoffs and so much uncertainty about everything else. You don't know whether they're going to fire up for the coach because the coach might not be there next season or, you know, they're going to rally, you know, they're going to rally together and just say, hey, we can be competitive despite all this adversity. Mm. But saying all that, Baltimore isn't the best team to go up against when essentially your only weapon is Tyler Eifert and they're the best against tight ends, yep. and you're one running back, who, and they're the best against the run. So I yep. can't see them score. No. <laughs> it's really weird. It's funny how the roster sort of flipped over for the Bengals, where it was like the, the like they have a strong roster. Let's, like They do have a strong roster on paper when you look at the Bengals. Obviously, they've lost a lot of injuries this year, and that's affected them, and their O-line's underperforming. But it's funny that you know the Bengals have always had this strong roster, and they just needed Andy Dalton to be average. And now Andy Dalton is above average, and the roster isn't up to scratch. It's just funny how it kind of adds up that way. It's like, why can't they ever just be in sync at the one time? It's just really weird, and it happens to so many teams in the NFL. But uh, I, I, I can see Baltimore running it down Cincinnati's throat, and I can see Cincinnati struggling to run it down Baltimore's throat, and that for me, looks like a Baltimore victory. And you mentioned it's hard to trust teams where you, you struggle to find where where they're motivated. I feel like Cincinnati might be motivated, but I don't think it'll be good enough because it, that, as much as they want to play spoiler to Baltimore, I just can't see them doing it. Marshall Yander being back was huge for them last week in the run game, and they had to abandon the run because they were down. But 
Terence West and Dixon were getting it on the gr- were going good against the ground early. So I um I am taking Baltimore at home minus four. Me too. Yeah, the the yonder addition is understated so considering he's, it yeah. is their is their best defensive player. He's their best player, I think. Like regardless yeah. of anything, he's he is sensational. I can't believe just adding one lineman to a line made such a huge difference, but it, it was so noticeable too when you watch the tape. Who, who makes the who makes the bigger difference, him or Alex Mack? I think Yanda still. Ooh, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Spicy meatballs. You've got to look at the replacement level, though, as well. That's always crucial when you're looking at those. But, yeah. Uh, all right. Arizona plus six on the road, $1.91. Atlanta minus six at $1.91. Fresh off their buy. It's funny that, you know, after a bye week, uh, everyone seems to forget how good Matt Ryan is. Uh, I've seen so many MVP articles this week and no mention of Matt Ryan in, in most of them, which um, I find insulting. But, anyway... Uh, all right, this is this is a, a dangerous game for Atlanta though, because as bad as the Bucks are, they're only one game behind them in the NFC South, and the Saints and Panthers you can't quite count out yet because of their quarterbacks. You know they can pull wins out of anywhere, and this is a dangerous game because the Falcons linebackers and secondary have been shredded by pass catching running backs this year, and they have a league high of eighty one receptions versus Atlanta, so they're playing probably the best receiving back or one of the best receiving backs in the NFL. It's him or Le'Veon, it's, it's, it really is a coin flip. And the fact that we're actually mentioning this guy with Le'Veon, who's just incredible, but David Johnson is so, so damn dangerous. Um, Wait, is Zeke not there or not? Zeke's just a pure pound and ground running back. Zeke's, you don't see him as a receiver? I, I see him as a receiver, but I think the one thing that David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell do better than Zeke, it's 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 run, it's in the passing game. Zeke's amazing, though. I, it's just crazy that a rookie just does not have any single flaws. I know. Say, saying that, I'd like to see him behind, you know, Cleveland's line or something. But or, the, anyway. or the Colts, the worst run-blocking line I've ever seen in my entire freaking life. I also love that Zeke loves cereal, too. There's that gif of him just dousting cereal. Amazing. But, yeah, David Johnson against this Falcons defense is really, really dangerous. But on the other side of the ball, I cannot wait for this. Julio Jones, Patrick Peterson, pass me the popcorn, baby. I like Julio in that. Yeah, I do. I mean, Patrick Peterson. That's the rest of the defense needs to give him help, and I think that that's that's crucial with any corner. A corner needs to know, um, you know, that they're not by themselves all the time. I know that they, you know, they're they're cover corners and that's their job, but they they also obviously have to know, you know, the the positioning of all the other players on the on the defensive side of the ball and things like that, but. Just recently, Arizona's defense has just looked, I don't know, out of sorts, out of sorts and just lacking lacking confidence. I know i know they've been not exactly giving up 40 points a game or anything, but I don't know. I still, I like Atlanta. I, Arizona just don't have enough for me. They just, I, I don't have any faith in Carson Palmer, even though Atlanta's defensive, defensive side is just, you know, pretty poor as well. Yeah, it's it's a weird matchup. I can see... Like, it wouldn't shock me if Arizona win this. Like, it's a dangerous game for Atlanta because I still think Arizona, I know their record and they've, they're just, they're really hard to read and they're being a little bit sort of hot and cold. But I don't know, I can see them, like, their defense, I know you said that looked a little bit out of sorts. They're still a top five defense in the NFL and, and uh, Chandler Jones and Marcus Golden can still get plenty of pressure on Matt Ryan, who's actually. The Falcons are giving up the six most quarterback hits in the league, but then on the other side of the ball, Carson Palmer's been sacked 18 times in the past four games. So 
I feel like... 18 times. In the last four games. I know, I think... God damn. A lot of that was in one game against the Vikings, but still, it's that's a huge number, and their O-line is a massive concern. So if Vic Beasley can really get it going, then I think... Uh, I think this game could get out of sorts. And Tevin Coleman is back for, for the Falcons, which is huge in their passing game because he's a he's an asset for them in the passing game and a, and a safety blanket in pressure as well out, out on the flats. His speed is just phenomenal. Uh, I Six is a lot. I'm going to take Arizona plus six. I feel like the Falcons will get it done, but I feel like they'll actually keep it close. Right. You, you taking Atlanta? Yep. All right, moving on. The New York Giants minus seven at a dollar ninety-five, traveling to Cleveland plus seven at a dollar eighty-seven. Uh, Josh McCowan is starting, but it doesn't really matter who's playing quarterback for the Browns because their offense has been really bad the last few weeks. They're averaging one hundred and ninety-one point seven yards and eight point seven points in the last three weeks, five point six yards per play, and forty-two percent success rate. Uh, sorry, they've had a 42% play success rate in their first nine games and only 31% play success rate the past two games. So they're actually getting worse, unfortunately, the Browns. So much promise, but I think a lot of people have not thrown in the towel, but they've lost a lot of injuries on their offensive line, and it's hard to really get motivated when you're 0 and whatever they are, whatever they are 0 and 11 or 0 and 12. Yeah, this has trap game written all over it, and the, the public's money is going towards Cleveland but I don't want really? any of the Browns at all. So, yeah, wouldn't I feel like New York had their scare last week against the Bears. Um, I, I can't see them doing that again this week. If they came out and destroyed the Bears, then maybe, but I feel like two of those scrappy games in a row, I don't know if they against bad teams, I don't know if they have it in them, but then again, they haven't actually blown out any teams uh, this year, their their biggest margin of victory all season was a 17-10 win against LA. So that's that's their biggest win so far this season. They haven't really led a 30-point game. They haven't had a 30-point game this season after seven last year. So this isn't the same Giants offense that we're used to seeing in terms of putting up points and sustained drives. They've had some really good drives, but they haven't been consistently driving down the field for, for, a, lot of the, for a lot of the game. So we'll wait and see. But I feel like they got their running game back on track, which will help that moving forward. And Rashad Jennings has been great. And we talked about that on the Moneyball pod. So I, I think New York Giants will, will win this game. Uh, but then again, you're, you're right. Like it, the Giants are one of those teams. So it wouldn't shock me if Cleveland win, but I can't, I can't pick Cleveland right now. They're just getting arguably worse as the games go on. It's, and I feel sorry for Hugh. It's hard to, to stay positive, but um, yeah, they're, they're not going in the right direction. Yeah, give me the Giants too. All right, moving on. The New York... Nope, we just did that. The Los Angeles Rams. I can't read on the same line. That's where I'm at right now. Los Angeles Rams plus seven at $2 on the road. Two New Orleans minus seven. So this is a interesting battle. We've got the number five DVO offense against the number nine DVOA defense. So that's always interesting. But on the other side of the ball, the Saints' pass defense can still be lit. Now, they've been a lot better, but they can still be... Still be had, but unfortunately the Rams they they can't throw the ball. They're they're way way too conservative, and Jared Goff he just every time his first read was taken away he just either threw it out of bounds or it was an incompletion. He didn't go through his reads, and I didn't like what I saw from his first game. I know it was only his first game, and he'll improve, 
and it sucks being in Jeff Fisher's offense. I really feel for the guy, but uh, I just can't see the Rams keeping up with New Orleans, especially at home. Do you feel, though, that, you know, Todd Gurley kind of started to get on a roll with Goff back in the line and then now going up against a New Orleans team that, you know, struggles everywhere on defense that this, you know, they could get a bit of a roll on with the whole Todd Gurley train? Yeah, he had a lot of big runs early, but then when Miami realized that Jared Goff stunk just as bad as Case Keenum, they sort of they started to shut that down again. So, and I, I feel bad ripping on Goff, but and it was wet and rainy, and, and and on the other side of the field, Ryan Tannehill didn't quite light the world up until it really mattered. So, I agree that the run game did look a lot better. So, they that is their chance that they could try and do that. But Los Angeles have allowed 256 yards passing per game on the road. That's 60 yards more than when they're at home. So they're a little bit less stingy on the road, and Breeze is just killing it. He leads the league in attempts, completions, completion percentage yards, and touchdowns. Um, Everyone talks about Brady playing in his 30s, but what about Breeze? No, I agree. I think he's going to have a field day against uh, the Rams at home. Yep. Yeah, he's at home. In the Superdome, Drew Breeze, which it's weird because early on in the season and late last year, they actually wasn't quite the same type of feel at home, but I feel like they're starting to build back to the Saints, um, that offensive juggernaut. I, th- I feel like Michael Thomas has really just completed that offense, and because of him, everything else is starting to click for them. That's rookie wide receiver, Joshy. Yes, he's doing well. So we're both on New Orleans minus seven at this point. Uh, moving on, San Fran plus seven and a half at a dollar eighty-seven, traveling across the country to Miami minus seven and a half at a dollar ninety-five. This line, I, I, I feel confusing as well. You got a one-win team on a nine-game losing streak, flying across the country to play a red-hot opponent who's you know marching onto potentially a wild-card spot. You've also got the number three rushing DVOA team versus the number thirty-two rushing defensive DVOA. So the line only being seven and a half is really confusing to me. Uh-huh. Yeah, did you, did you admire how San Fran put up quite a bit of a fight against the Patriots? I was, I was, you know, surprised that they kept it competitive for as long as they did. And looking, when you, you know, flipped over to to check the score, it always, you'd always expect the Patriots to have blown the game out by now, but it always seemed that the, mm. like the, the 49ers were always just within reach still, that they were never completely out of it. I freaked think, me out a little bit. I think a lot of that was Colin Kaepernick. I, I feel like he's he's played a lot better and, and made the offense. Uh, I, I think he's far from, like Scott Tolzian on Thursday, I think he is far from the Colts problems, and I think Kaepernick's far from being the, the 49ers problems. They just have so many question marks and so many concerns everywhere else in on their roster. Um, I don't think Kaepernick's the problem, and I actually, it's weird. I actually wouldn't, I don't think, San Fran need a quarterback. I think they could probably roll on another year with Kaepernick. I feel like he's making some strides and and getting better. I feel like they need to spend the draft picks and the capital on getting better and and building up their defense and making them making their team more complete and then reevaluate the position because I feel like if he gets some decent blocking and some weapons for Kaepernick, like he could be even better. Uh, I feel like he he kept things interesting, but I feel like Jay Ajayi is just going to run straight through them. Look. Look at the—he's had over 800 yards already, and averaging 5.6 yards per attempt, 
And the last five weeks, the 49ers have given up 313 rushing yards, 249, 248, 80, and 171. Damn. Damn, boy. It's just not fun. But then on the other side, I feel like Carlos Hyde could really get it going and, and try and keep the defense off the field if he wants to. If they want to go about that approach, I feel like they could keep it close. So then maybe seven and a half isn't so crazy. Seven and a half. It's just the worst line. It, the worst line. Vegas love doing it. Um, I don't know. Part of me feels like San Fran's going to keep it close. Um, I'm taking Miami minus seven and a half. Um, Although Miami is a team that, you know, <laughs> it's really weird that you don't expect them to be giving more than a touchdown a lot. I know they've been great the last couple of weeks, but aren't they primed for a letdown game? <sighs> Not still giving Miami. I, I'm just, I'm trying to think of, just, San Fran have shown no sign of improving against the run. It's frustrating because you just, if I was the coach for the 49ers, which I should be, they, <laughs> when game planning, you look at it and think, all right, this team's going to come in and just think they can run the ball on us. Let's just flip the script on its head and just stack the box and see what they can do in the passing game. They probably they probably will have ridiculous success in the passing game too, but at least let's, you know, try to stop the run. It's just frustrating. They don't try anything. It's, uh, whatever. Give me the Dolphins. I can't trust the 49ers now thinking about it. Yep. All right. Well, let's lock in Miami for both of us and move on to San Diego minus one and a half on the road at a dollar ninety one, taking on Houston plus one and a half at a dollar ninety one. Houston backing up from a Monday night football game in high altitude in Mexico, uh, traveling you know back home. But they are five and zero at home, and uh, this is a this is a must win game for them because they've got two straight road games, and they've got the, t- the Titans and the Colts holding their heels now in that race for the division. So we'll wait and see uh, how how they approach this. Now this is an interesting game because San Diego obviously four and six not completely out of it, but this this is a must win game for them. And uh, San Diego, you know, Phil Rivers doesn't care where he plays; he'll march in and keep them competitive. And you know that the way the Chargers play, this is going to come down to the wire. There's two things playing in my head. I feel that you know, it's a must win for both games for San Diego just to stay alive. Essentially, if they don't win this, you can just stick a knife through them, essentially. I've already done yep. that. They were, in, they were in my bottom tier weeks and weeks and weeks ago, but yep. mathematically, kind of, they're just done. And for Houston, it's essentially you got to, to keep within reach of the other teams. But um, Houston 5-0 and at home is really... It, it's That's such a damning stat. You feel like, you know, they just have a, such a command when they're playing in Houston. But at the same time, I don't want to pick against Rivers after such a bad game. You feel that he would just mm. and he's had you know, correct he's, he's had yeah, two weeks it. he's had two weeks to prepare as well. They had their bye, so he's had two weeks to stew on that performance. And it's only one. It's essentially a pick 'em. Oh man. It is. Uh the Texans defense has been really strong in uh for rush, against the rush the last couple of weeks. They've only allowed uh on average fifty six yards against the rush since week eight, which would make things a little bit tough for Melvin Gordon. And there are also just five teams to hold opposing tight ends under 400 yards this season. So Phillip Rivers might have to look outside of Henry and Gates and, and Gordon. But, uh, you know, he he is a guy that makes use of any single matchup. He takes advantage of it. And he's got Tyrell Williams and Travis Benjamin 
on the outside. So that's a, that's an opportunity for him, uh, you know, to pick his poison there. And I think Melvin Gordon will probably have a big big game in the in the receiving uh, in the receiving game. Likewise, on the other side, San Diego been really stingy. They're they're a top five defense against the run, but they lost Brandon Meban. Feels like they just lose a key injury every single week. But Denzel Perryman and Jatavis Brown are back. So we'll wait and see how we go. Brock Osweiler's not taking advantage this year at bottom five defenses. So the Texans offense has gone four straight gains without a pass play of 25 yards or more. Throw it deep, Brock, you pussy. I'm uh, going. I'm going the Texans. I'm going the Texans. He's gonna he's gonna throw a bomb touchdown just to shut you up. All right, because I called him a pussy, which I got to beep it. out. Um, all right, so I'm taking San Diego. I was leading. I was thinking about taking Houston, but the more I think about it, I just where are Houston better than San Diego? I just don't see it. Uh, all right, moving on defense. Uh, San Diego's defense is pretty good. As good as Houston's? Hell no. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Seattle. This is, this is AFC bias. <laughs> Seattle minus six, a dollar ninety-one. Traveling down to Tampa Bay plus six at a dollar ninety-one. Earl Thomas is out. It's his first missed game since arriving in the NFL since two thousand and ten. And the Seahawks have had a few issues when Cam Chancellor's been missing from their offense, uh, from their defense. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Thomas out. He's kind of the general there, and the you know Cam Chancellor fires everyone up. But Earl Thomas is such a smart, calm controller. So we'll wait and see what they. Secondary looks like without, and that probably means that Cameron Brake could have a breakout performance, even though he's had a few this year. But uh, Russell Wilson's just been an absolute fire his past three games: nine hundred plus yards, seven touchdowns, and the Bucks are twenty fifth against the pass. So, and twenty they've allowed twenty touchdowns this season. It's just so hard to go past Russell Wilson. If he keeps this up for the last uh, six or so weeks, he could uh, he could definitely put himself in MVP contention. Yeah. I- I can't go past Seattle. It, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if Tampa kept it competitive for you know a lot of the game, but I see Seattle just wear you down. They will go into Tampa and just wear them down. It doesn't matter if El Thomas is there or not. I mean, I'm, of course he is a big loss, and I mean the defense is essentially nearly built around him. But yeah, I think Tampa Tampa is going to really try to focus on getting Martin on a roll early. And if they can do that, it will definitely bode well for Winston and Evans and Brait. But, yeah, Seattle against the run is they're very stingy, so I, yep. I can't see them having too much success there. So, yep. I don't know, Seattle for me. Seattle are just rolling, and they're, they're just so good in the second half of the season. And they're now 7-2-1 and one straight up, and they're covering their, you know, their 3-1-1 one, one in their last five games against the spread as well. So, you know, in the second half, Seattle, I know they're playing it, on the road, but Tampa Bay are a very flawed five and five team at this point, and um, less than a touchdown for Seattle is is nice. Although apparently a lot of the big money in Vegas is on Tampa Bay here with uh, Earl Thomas out, but uh, I just can't I, I can't do it. Tampa Bay obviously lifted last week. I don't know if they can back it up um, against a, a far better team than than the Chiefs. So we'll wait and see how they look. Moving on, Carolina plus three at two dollars. Oakland minus three at a dollar eighty three. I mentioned. Houston coming off the high altitude in Mexico. Oakland do the same thing and face a uh, Carolina team that will be without Luke Keekley uh, with his concussion. Thankfully, it's not a, a more serious concussion for Luke. Hopefully, uh, it's only a couple of weeks on the sideline for him, and, and, and he's okay. Yes, definitely. Um, I like I like Oakland a lot. I like Oakland a lot. I, I think don't. where they... You don't? No, I'm, I'm feeling Carolina in this one. I like... 
where Oakland is at their at their best is you know throwing it deep to these these wide receivers who essentially make play. Do you do you see Amari Cooper? Oh. Amari Cooper is he's ridiculous. He's the guy's ridiculous. And I I mean I think he's gonna he's gonna they're gonna have a big game. And I I don't I don't want to even try to pronounce the running back's name. What is it again? Help me out here. Jalen Ricard. Ricard. Sorry, you should you should see every time I'm like every time I try to remember I've been calling him Jared or Jason or something ridiculous. Jared. No, I, they're all <laughs> they're all they're getting they're getting on a roll, and I just Carolina they're gonna have to they're gonna rely on too many other things to go their way. I just can't see it happening in the black hole. I just can't see it happening. I just I still feel like Raiders are. I know they won it. Had a huge dominant performance against Denver. I know, and it was in prime time, and everyone saw it. But I still feel like they're just fluky. I didn't think they were that good against Houston. I felt like Bill O'Brien cost Houston that game with some bad decisions late in that game that probably could have. They probably could have came away with a win if he just made some different calls. And I know Carolina's past defense is is being bad. Uh, the last three games they've. The opponents have put up 481, 460, and 280 yards passing, and that 280 yards is actually Case Keenum. So it's it's actually really bad when you think about it. When you hear the 280, you're like, oh, that's not that bad. But it was Case Keenum, so that is pretty bad. But I just, I don't know, Oakland's run defense, 70% of their opponents have rushed for 100-plus yards this year. So I think Cam Newton and Jonathan Stewart can control the clock and and go on long drives and, and try and keep Derek Carr and this dangerous offense off the field and put them in some tough situations and and hope that hope that they can come away with a win. I feel like they can keep them close. And the Raiders, I don't know, they, they've been outgained by their opponents this year and they're only averaging you know six yards a play and they're actually giving up more than that. So it's just weird, but they're also 7-3 against the spread. They're just a weird team. I don't know. I, I'm not buying in completely to... Oakland let yet, so I'm going to take Carolina, especially at plus three, where I can get even money for it. I know they're on the road, but this is like this is basically the final thread for Carolina. If if they lose this game, you can cut the thread and they just fall into the abyss here. But I don't know. I got a weird, I uh, just a gut feel that Carolina might come away with a win in this one. Why do you hate the Raiders, Josh? I don't hate them. I just I don't know. I feel like they just got a, a whole lot of lucky wins early, and I know they've played a lot better, but I didn't find them that impressive against Houston, and I find Houston what, a very what bad is it team. With you against, what is it with you against teams creating their own luck? You just you just hate them. Because my luck, Andrew, is not healthy right now, and I just we're the only ones that are supposed to have a luck. I don't know. That was terrible. I don't like it. Sorry, guys. Give me, give me, give me the Raiders. Give me the Raiders. Give me the Raiders. I'm just not quite sold on Oakland. I don't know. Plus, I'm sick of seeing Derek Carr as an MVP candidate over Matt Ryan. Please stop that. That's ridiculous. Just stop. That it. is ridiculous. But That's I stupid. also am. At the same time, I'm still I'm ruling out Matt Ryan out of the MVP race. He's not doing anything for me anymore. All right. We'll wait and see when he tears up the top five uh, Arizona defense. Although, but still only yeah. still only win by. Um, less than six though, because you know I've got to get my tip right. Uh, all right, moving on to the uh, where are we? The Jets. The New Jets, England. The Jets are at home, plus seven and a half dollar eighty-seven, taking on Tom Brady or possibly Tom Brady is questionable, but please, he's playing dollar ninety-five. Although I wouldn't mind seeing uh, New England start their best quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. No, I'm kidding. Although Jimmy, not Jimmy Garoppolo has not thrown a pick this year, Tom Brady has. So, 
you know, therefore, it's saying... In Neither sum- has Barkley. In summation, has in summation, Matthew Barkley is greater than Tom Brady. Actually, Barkley has thrown two. He threw two in, like, 15 attempts. It doesn't Boy. matter. If, Why is the Bears if five and a half? If he hadn't played a snap, he would have thrown a pick. Yeah. <laughs> he got intercepted while walking on the field. Yeah. Someone scooped him up. A giant eagle just, just picked him up. Um, all right, moving. Uh, where are we? We're at New England. Uh, Fitzpatrick is getting the start, despite uh, Bryce Petty playing the last game for the Jets. I, th- I think the Jets want to... Want to get a win against a division rival. They normally play New England tough, and I think they feel that Fitzpatrick will give them the best shot to win this game. And Fitzpatrick did beat New England last year in Week 16, 26-20. That was one of his one of his best games, actually. Uh, him and him and Decker lit it up for two touchdowns, and had that led that comeback win. So he was definitely at his best last. And then Week 17, he was terrible against the Bills and cost them a playoff spot. But that week uh, 16 game against New England, I think he'll always remember that one. But he does lead the league in interceptions with 13 this season. But when I look at this matchup, and you mentioned Matt Forte on the Moneyball podcast as a good play this week, I feel like Matt Forte and Bilal Powell are more than capable of, of matching what CJ Prosas was able to do against New England and against their defense. And, and Bilal Powell especially, fresh legs to fill in for Matt Forte think can move the chains and, and make things interesting, at least for a little while. But you think back to this Jets secondary and how bad it's been. Tom Brady was going to like his chances. He's actually throwing the ball a lot better deeper this year than he has in the last probably three or four. The Patriots are saying uh, Gronk isn't 100% out, but you reckon he's playing or not? No, nah, nah. I, I think they could really just keep him on ice until the playoffs if they really wanted to at this point. Um, but I feel like they'll keep him out for another week or two. Why, why when you've got a such commanding lead, and Bill Belichick's not stupid, he knows they're by far and away the best team in the AFC. Why would you risk bringing this android freak out that's a complete difference maker, the risk that he gets injured? I I just don't think they would do it. Nah, either way. There's even question marks over Bennett, so it'd be interesting to see what they'd do if he couldn't play, but mm. I think he'll I think he'll play and I think they'll beat him they'll beat the Jets by more than seven and a half. Jets don't have enough. Yep. They just don't have enough. Dion Lewis is back and looking pretty good too. He is. Yeah. Which is I love watching Dion Lewis. He he is so fun, but I feel sorry for James White because I feel like he's been good. Like he's he's a good player. I feel like he's underrated as a player. But Dion Lewis is just I don't know, he's just a huge mismatch for anyone because he can just make that first man miss. And New England have so many players like that that just make that first man miss, and it's just crucial to picking up first downs. And I think when you look at Brady's stats, he's really, really good on third down, and I think that's because a lot of those players uh, can help him convert those third downs, and uh, it's just they just roll on all cylinders. And against this defense, I uh, I like New England minus 7.5. I feel like the Jets can keep it a little bit interesting for a little while. They're coming off a bye, uh, so they're a little bit more prepared than New England are. All right, moving on to Sunday night football. Uh, by the way, Mike Tirico in with Chris Collinsworth. Are you a fan? Am I a fan of yeah. what? Mike Tirico filling in for Al Michaels here and there at the moment in the, in the booth. Yeah, he's... Eh. Really? Uh, I love Tirico. Yeah, but I'm I'm a fan of consistency, and I, I, I like I like the witty banner between Collinsworth yeah. and... But Al. but just think they'll be at their all time witty high because Al will be refreshed for the for the playoffs and whatnot. It's so, going to be a beautiful thing. It is. It's going to be sensational. 
Uh, Kansas City plus three and a half, dollar ninety one at Mile High Stadium. Denver minus three and a half. Some players back for Denver like Derek Wolfe and Akeed Talib are all back. Uh, Marcus Peters is playing, so we'll wait and see uh, which one he shadows or lines up against, or he might just stay on his side and, and they'll just pick their poison at this point. But uh, interesting game, and this is crucial for the division race. Kansas City laid a duck egg last week. It's hard to see them beating Denver because of the way they played last week, but I can see them just saying, all right, that was just a one-off. Let's just go back to our winning ways and, and being consistent and, and get a win in here. And they have been successful in Denver. They did last year, but Alex Smith is 2-5 and five against the Broncos and has been sacked 21 times against them. So that's a huge 21 sacks in seven games is, is a lot. And you, just let me look at one thing before I make my pick. I just want to say I want to look at I want to look at the standings of this division. Let me have a look. Mm, same record, huh? Yep. Far out. <laughs> I want to go for the Chiefs, but the stats you just gave me are damning. Uh, you want some more numbers? Uh, the the Chiefs go, hit the, me with the num- The Chiefs haven't rushed for a hundred a hundred or more ga- uh, yards in four games. And Simeon's he struggled. He's been struggling since returning from shoulder injury. Six to four touchdown interception ratio, seventy seven passer rating in his last five games. And I guess I mentioned that, you know, Marcus Peters can only cover cover one, so you've got to work out who's gonna be able. Is Steven Nelson able to, to cover Emmanuel Sanders or Demarius Thomas one on one? I'm taking the Bronx. I can't believe I can't believe they lost an arrowhead. To the, I feel like to if the they box. lost away, I'd have more confidence. Pardon? To the Bucks. I know. I don't. I don't get it. Actually, um, three and a half is a lot. I'm taking Kansas City. Yeah, that's. I'm going them too. Um, I, I, I like. I like Alex Smith. I like the Chiefs. I don't, but three and a half is a lot for the way Denver plays. I feel like Denver just playing these close games. And one thing I did forget to mention is the Broncos are. Bad against the run. I think back to the Oakland game, Latavius Murray just torched them. They're allowing 123 rushing yards per game this season. 29th in the NFL. You don't you don't really expect that from a defense so good. But, yeah, if Spencer Ware can, can get going and help carry the workload for Alex Smith, who, again, will be without Jeremy Macklin. We'll wait and see. And Tyler Eifert never scored a touchdown against the Broncos. So this might be the game. Uh, all right, moving on. Monday night football. Green Bay plus four. Dollar ninety one traveling to Philly. Philly minus four to dollar ninety one. This is an interesting matchup. Uh, the Packers they're in a, obviously at a four game just hump right now. They're in a dive, but Rogers has not been the problem. He's averaging twenty six point six points per game, and he's you know two hundred. He's around three hundred yards per game as well, and he's had the most completions, passing yards, and passing touchdowns since week seven. But he's playing the the Eagles defense, who are just amazing at home and. Atlanta put up a pretty good fight, but Philly did such a good job. They're only allowing 9.5, 9.5 points per game and 281 yards per game at home. So Jim Schwartz at home has been one of the most consistent things this season. Yeah, no, nah, it's awesome. And But look, looking at this game, you go into this pick and you think you can never count out Aaron Rodgers. You can never count out Aaron Rodgers. You can never count out Aaron Rodgers. That was Aaron exactly Rodgers. what I said when I made my pick last week and lost yeah, and then but now you you can't keep doing that. You feel crazy every time you do it, every single week, and they go out and perform nearly exactly the same way. Just different players on offense doing the same things. It's just yeah. it's frustrating, and I feel that Philly's biggest strength 
is Green Bay's biggest weakness, just being able to, you know, keep the pressure off Aaron Rodgers and things like that. And I think the defense will be smothering. And I love my Eagles. Yep. I love my Eagles. Uh, I just can't go against this. When I think about this game, look, Aaron Rodgers is fantastic. He's a, he's one of the best quarterbacks I've ever watched in my life. He's amazing. But this season, Philly's defense at home is just is one of the best things in the NFL. And I, I can't pick against them. And I think Carson Wentz will bounce back. You know, he's played one of the hardest defenses in the NFL last week. Now he's playing one of the, the least effective defenses in the NFL. And they're allowing a passer rating of 105.5. So I think Wentz will go back to what we saw from the first couple of weeks where he got where he had some really favorable matchups and was able to take advantage of it. Uh, I just hope uh, Nelson Aguilar has grown some hands over the last four days and, and can make some catches. Same with Jordan Matthews. But I'm taking Philly minus four. Me too. I think Nelson Aguilar's role will be a little decreased this week. Let's hope so. Is Riley, <laughs> Coop, is Riley Cooper still around? I don't know that guy was a racist, think, but at I least he could catch. Yeah, he's at a concert somewhere yelling at someone. Oh, boy. <laughs> Moving on. It's time for our Lock of the Week. The Wooten Y Lock of the Week. Proudly brought to you by William Hill. Faster, easier betting. All right, Woot, what is your Lock of the Week? I like Baltimore minus four. Baltimore I don't, I don't. minus four. Divisional game. I like it. Against though. Cincinnati. I like it. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm locking in Tennessee minus five and a half against Chicago. I know we mentioned right. that it could be a, you know an all-time John Fox game and, and a, a trap game, but I just can't see where Matt Barkley scores some points. Unless Jordan Howard plays a game of his life, I just cannot see it. And... Marcus Mariota and my boy Rashad Matthews are just on fire lately, and I can see them uh, pulling it out and getting the victory. So I'm taking Tennessee minus five and a half. That is. Uh, do, you, do you have do you have the do you have the records for us on the lock of the week? I have not kept record purposely because I have been abysmal. Uh, I think you're about five hundred because we started terribly, but you've been uh, rock solid the past couple of weeks, and uh, I've been shocking, absolutely shocking. I'm changing it next year. We can actually. Make over under bets. I'm, I'm including that. Oh, I mean, you got to find wins somewhere, buddy. I know, I know, but uh, I'm, I'm confident this week. I can't believe Kansas City let me down last week. Just unbelievable. Uh, pick it, pick, pick your over under lock of the week for those uh, playing I, at home. I haven't, I haven't looked at any yet. I, they're just bets I make myself. But uh, you know, we gave you two on Thanksgiving. They both got up. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll wait mm-hmm. and see. Mm-hmm. All right, that's the show. Right. That's the show. As what a beautiful thing that episode was. Yeah. Not our best work, but it is 11.30 on a Saturday night, and I've been up since 5.30, and I've been on the City Rail trades for about five hours today. So come with some credit, Dad, all right? Get off my back. You're so lucky. I've got to do it again tomorrow. Great. <laughs> Great stuff. What are you doing tomorrow? Are you sleeping in? You're watching some Gilmore Girls? You're you going to Guzman? What, what's... Going to Bondi Beach tomorrow if the weather holds out. All right, sweet. You can catch uh, Woot on Bondi Rescue episode 14 in a few weeks. You can follow me on Twitter. I'll be the guy waving my hand. (laughs) Check out these backpackers. (laughs) You can follow me on Twitter at JYNFL. You can follow Woot. At Woot, etc. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Woot and Y. Like us on Facebook, The Woot and Y Show. Stitcher, iTunes, Wooshka, Radio Hub. Tune in, please. Also, buy tickets for the Lunar Bowl. It's going to be fun. Catch you next week. Boy! AJ Boy!